It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with More Money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on Talk Radio WABC. It's been a great privilege and pleasure for me for the last three years to host this show. We're on every Saturday afternoon when we are live between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. And I will be taking some of your calls at the end of the show because that's my favorite part of the show when I listen to what you have to say and uh, we call ourselves Freedom of Speech Radio because I like to hear from people with all different perspectives on what's going on in our country and what's going on with our economy. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East right now and the tragedy there. Uh, I want to start, if I may, by uh, having to hate to say that I told you so, but I did tell you so, and regular listeners of this show for the last several years know that I've been a Johnny OneNote on this, trying to sound the siren alarm of the stupidity of the Biden anti-America energy policy. And if I may, I'd really like to walk you through this, folks, because it's so important to connect these dots between what Biden has done on energy policy with his crazy green energy policies that have shut down uh, so much of our oil and gas and coal production uh, and what is happening today in Israel. And so it starts with this, that regular listeners to this show know that I've been saying for the better part of two and a half years that Biden's energy policy has done great damage to the U.S. economy. So from a from the perspective of our living standards and the prosperity of America, this has been a dreadful, dreadful policy. And so by my estimates and uh, we've done some work on this at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and go to our website and you can see some of our resource on this, that we estimate that if we'd simply stuck with the Trump pro-drilling policies, drill, baby, drill, and produced more and more oil and gas here at home in Texas, in Oklahoma, in West Virginia, in North Dakota, in Alaska, in Pennsylvania, in, in you know, we are one of the most energy oil and gas rich countries in the world, if not the most energy rich countries in the world. And so under Donald Trump, and I was very privileged to have uh, worked with him on energy and tax policy, we had become for the first time in any of our lifetimes energy independent. In fact, we had become the dominant country in oil and gas production of any country in the world. We surpassed Saudi Arabia. We surpassed Iran. We surpassed Russia. Uh, none of the individual OPEC countries were producing more oil and gas than the United States. And that was in large part because of the shale revolution that started back in around 2008 and tripled America's oil and gas output. Trump got this from my first meeting with him in 2016, early in 2016. He immediately got it. He understood the geopolitical and economic advantages of America producing as much oil and gas as we could. And so what happened under the Trump years is that we saw the United States become the pre predominant 
oil and gas producer, we had the commanding heights. And in fact, we had put OPEC out of business because OPEC, is, of course, is a cartel, a monopoly cartel. But you can't have a monopoly cartel if the number one producer in the world, that is these United States of America, was producing more oil and gas than they were. So they didn't have any way of really leveraging what the price of oil would be because we were just you know, the spigots were turned on here in America, and that was a wonderful situation. It was wonderful for our economy. It also made the world a safer place. Now, starting about a year and a half ago, I started to make the point that the Putin attack on the Ukraine with his military uh, war machine was being financed with petrodollars. Russia is a major oil and gas producer. And every time, how many times have I said this? And back in here, I've been saying this for two years, that what was happening was that we were reducing our supply of oil and gas here at home from what it would be. Um, the advantage and the money was flowing to Russia, to Putin. And Putin was financing his uh, tanks and his missiles with those oil dollars, because when you reduce the world of supply of oil by reducing the supply at home, that means the oil that was being produced in OPEC countries and Russia was going to rise, right? If you reduce the supply of something, its price goes up. So we did two things that were really stupid. We allowed Russia to produce more and more oil to take place of the place of American oil, and we caused a higher price, so they were getting more money per barrel. So shame on us and shame on Joe Biden for playing right into the hands of Vladimir Putin. But at the same time, and I've been warning about this, that not only we were aiding and abetting uh, this criminal homicidal leader of Russia, but also that we were putting money into the coffers of the terrorists in the Middle East. We know, we've known this for 50 years that the Hezbollah and Hamas and these terrorist organizations are funded by oil. Where, by the way, where else would their money come from? They don't produce anything, right? Terrorist organizations don't produce anything. They get their money from the oil that comes, the money that comes in from the oil production primarily in Iran. And Iran, by the way, is a major producer of oil. They don't have any other economy besides uh, pumping their oil. And so if you look at what happened, and if you go to our Committee to Unleash Prosperity website, you can see these charts that show that under Trump, because Trump recognized the evil, dangerous situation we had with Iran. And through sanctions on Iran and by producing more oil and gas at home, Iran's oil production fell very dramatically during the Trump years. And that meant they were getting, we were kind of bankrupting Iran. Since then, since Trump left office, you've seen a surge of Iranian oil production and gas production. And that money, much of it has gone into the coffers of these evil terrorists that are, that are killing innocent people. Does any of this make sense? None of it does. It never did. Now, because, oh, well, we have to do this for climate change. We have to change the climate of the planet by producing U.S. oil and gas production. I mean, does that, does that make any sense? And so the, the worst thing about this is that it would be one thing if by the United States producing less oil and gas, the rest of the world 
was using less of it. But that's not the story here, folks. Last year, 2022, and this has continued in 2023, despite all of this talk about green energy, everybody's moving towards wind power and solar power. It ain't true. It's just factually inaccurate. In 2022 and so far in 2023, the world has been consuming and producing more oil and gas than ever before. That's because oil and gas are a great way to get energy. And so the world is turning to oil and gas. The only country that doesn't seem to get that is the United States. And that's because we have a president who is not putting America's interest first. How else can I say that? This is something that is an economic mistake. I estimate that we're losing somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred billion dollars a year in American production. And think of all the jobs that would come to that. Think of all the tax revenues that would come from that if we had simply stuck with the Trump policy. But my point is that I want to hammer home to you is that this is not just an economic mistake. It is the, it has been the trigger for these terrorist incidents. There is no way that Iran would have been able to funnel billions, tens of billions of dollars to Hamas and these other terrorist organizations if it had not been for the United States uh, failing to produce all the oil and gas that we have. It's it's really that simple. Now, if you want to challenge this, you call in, please, at the end of this show on our More Money Hotline, 1-800-848-9222, because I want to hear from people who disagree with me on this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think any of our listeners really think I'm wrong, but maybe some of you do. And if you think that this is a smart strategy, then I'd love to hear from you. So that's issue number one. I want to make one other quick point, and then we got to take a break. By the way, I've got a great, great show lined up. I am so excited. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from one of the best economic and business minds in America, and that's my great friend, Steve Forbes. So please, please stick with the show all hour because it's going to be a really fun one today, and there's nobody more insightful about our economy than Steve Forbes. I want to make one other point about this climate change craziness that's going on. Did you know now there are several states, including most recently California, and New York is talking about this too, so is New Jersey, and I know most of our listeners are in that uh, region of the country. They're talking about putting climate change in the science curriculum of their schools and mandating that kids get indoctrinated with this climate change cult uh, conversation. And not telling people the truth about what's really happening, which is that uh, the United States is the number one uh, country that's reduced our carbon emissions. Do you think they're going to teach that to our kids? Do, do, are they going to teach our kids that 70 to 75 percent of our energy today, what turns our lights on, what keeps our cell phones working, which keeps our factories running, our hospitals running, our schools running, that that energy comes from fossil fuels? Uh, is anybody going to talk about the fact that we've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of money on uh, tax dollars on green energy subsidies for wind and solar power, and yet it only accounts for about 6% of our overall energy. So the idea that we're going to go to zero fossil fuels is a fool's errand, is a sinister plot to try to you know, reduce the American economy and make America pay for all the sins that we're evidently causing around the world. And so I'm sorry, I want science to be about science. 
I want our schools to be teaching our kids facts, not an ideology. And they should not be brainwashing our kids with a left-wing ideology that is simply factually inaccurate. So let's teach kids. I'm all for the science, right? But I want it to be real science, not propaganda. And that's happening in our schools around the country. It's one of the reasons, by the way, we need school choice. So the parents can choose the curriculum that is best for their kids, not left-wingers. I'm Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with my favorite segment of the show when I talk to to, uh, Bob and Ryan Payne about the financial situation in our country right now. This is WBC Talk Radio. The 77 WABC mobile app. Download it now. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. And now we go to one of my favorite segments of the show when we talk to two of the financial gurus who are the real experts on how to deal with financial times. I'm talking, of course, about Bob and Ryan Payne of Little Management. Gentlemen, thanks for joining, as always. Uh I'll start with you, since with age comes wisdom, uh, and we are now uh, seeing a crazy time, obviously, with what's happening in Israel and this turbulence, and it looks like, you know, we're going to see this lasting for many, many weeks. How do investors deal with a crisis like this? Well, you know, first of all, the headlines are, are very frightening, and, you know, there's no way to know what the outlook is. Geopolitical risks exist all mm-hmm. over the world. I mean, we've been dealing with the Ukraine situation. Now we're dealing with the Middle East. And yeah, you know, I don't know, Steve, how many Middle East peace packages have we been through in our lives? Right. It's just these things mm-hmm. never seem to last. Um, so it's a it's a, obviously a great concern. But when it comes to the financial markets, you know, it doesn't really have as big of impact as it used to, uh, simply because we're why, not as why dependent that, on far. Well, because we're not as dependent on foreign oil, of course. You know, when right. you were in the last administration, we had energy independence, which we could possibly, right. you know, go back to that. So the, um, you know, the fact that the markets have kind of taken it in stride should give everybody a little bit of comfort. You know, um, this is more of a human tragedy than it is a financial issue. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the, you know, major events in the past 25 years, Ryan, you know, there's usually a fairly sharp downturn when these things happen, whether it's 9-11 or uh, hurricane or some other or some other event, but then the economies in the markets uh, tend to stabilize and and grow through these things. Uh, how do you see this impacting um, certain industries? I saw that the defense industries um, got a big bump up after the attacks started. How do you see um, various industries um, responding in terms of their returns? You know, I think what's interesting is you would think oil prices would skyrocket. Yeah, I was shocked. And ironically, it didn't happen. Oil prices coming down. So yeah, I think I think that's what what that's telling you is first off, we know global growth is relatively sluggish, and we have a saying, you know, what cures higher oil prices? Higher oil prices, and I think you had every marginal player pump uh, pumping oil. Uh, when you know, the price got over $90 a barrel and now supply and demand's coming back in line, we have a lot of supply, more supply yeah. than we thought. Um, yep. but I think what the markets are looking at right now and the way to position your portfolio is inflation is still coming down. I mean, oil prices are down off their highs from two weeks ago. Um, yeah. you know, we had the core CPI number came in as, as expected, but I think what's more important is the highest components that at least 50% of that component was the rental shelter component right. of, of CPI. 
And that was really high, but that's a lag. Real-time rentals are actually coming down a lot further mm-hmm. than what's showing in that CPI number. So I think looking ahead, what we're seeing here is interest rates or uh, inflation is going to continue to come down. We've seen interest rates moderate. Uh, the 10-year Treasury is off its high. The 30-year Treasury is off its high. So I think what we're seeing is in moderating inflation, and that's really, really good for the economy. That's great for right. stocks. The bank uh, banking sector had a great earnings uh, today. We had earnings came out yeah, on Friday. Huge. It came out excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so this is all good news. So uh, on the on the energy front, um, I'm kind of bullish on the energy markets right now, Ryan, because um, you're probably going to see sanctions uh, and export controls on Iranian oil, and Iran is one of the major sources of oil. And I would think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I would think that that would mean that oil prices have to rise if you're going to reduce that global supply. Well, not necessarily, Steve, because you know you saw that Exxon uh, just bought Pioneer Resources yeah, primarily what a to story get that is, yeah, yeah, because they get you know more access to fracking uh, where there's less regulation with wells that are already existing. And mm-hmm. they're able to get more production out of existing wells without having to depend on, you know, foreign oil or, you know, or, right. or enemies for oil. Exxon's going to be able to, to pump a lot more oil than they were yesterday. Well, doesn't that mean that Exxon and Chevron and BP might be good buys right now, Bob? I think they're excellent buys. I think that the uh-huh. uh, energy um, area of the market is still selling at a very uh, reasonable valuations. They have the best dividend yields out there. And, you know, Steve, look, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, uh, reusable energy in the future, but it's not going to happen in the next three to six months. It's not going to happen in the next right. three to six years. So, you know, we're going to have we're still very dependent on hydrocarbons and the oil stocks uh, are a great place to invest um, because you're going to get not just appreciation. You're also going to get a dividend that is consistently increased and paid every three months. So, Ryan, um, when it comes to uh, the other big story that's been kind of overshadowed by the attacks on, on Iran, uh, uh, on Israel by, uh, by the, uh, by Hamas has been, um, that the, uh, interest rates have started to flatten out. You know, we've been seeing several weeks and months of rising mortgage rates and rising interest rates on all sorts of things, uh, especially federal bonds, but they're leveling out and actually starting to turn. Where is this all headed? Well, I think what it's telling you is there's a good chance we're going to see another pause by the Federal Reserve. Um, you heard a couple uh, of the uh, Fed Reserve officials talking about how maybe they don't need to keep raising interest rates because we saw such a big move in longer-term rates. So it's almost like the interest rate market's doing the heavy lifting for them. So I think that is a precursor mm-hmm. uh, to the end of or the terminal rate in monetary policy. And look, I've said it before. Call me a cynic, mm-hmm. but I do think that the Federal Reserve role is a political role, and there's a good mm-hmm. chance they will cut interest rates next year in an election year, um, yep. which means that financial conditions will ease, and that's going to be a real boon to the U.S. economy. And another reason why you want to be optimistic here when it comes to investing and get your money out of cash, because maybe you're getting 5% right now in a, in a yep. treasury money market fund. That might be 3% next year, so you want to make some moves today while rates are higher. So uh, I'm talking to Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management, two of the best in the business. We've just got a minute or two left. Uh, Bob, you mentioned the uh, energy stocks that you like. What else do you like that's out there? 
Well, you know, Steve, we're probably two of the only people that come on financial news stations and talk about investing, right? Not about timing, gambling, right? Talk about investing. And, you know, I think the big rave right now is everybody wants to put money in money market funds and short-term treasuries because they're yielding over 5%. But that's not investing, right? That's short-term. Short-term rates are only for short-term. You know, you're sitting around waiting to invest. Where now you can lock in yields, you know, in treasury bonds and municipal bonds that will give you income for life. Um, you're able to invest in the stock market mm-hmm. at a relatively good valuation below the old-time highs of two years ago. And I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Steve. We're going to make yeah. new highs in the next six months um, on the it, market, it, it, and we're going to go to 40000 not 30000 Wow. So, so when, the key right now is to, is to not sit and wait to invest, but get off your butt and start investing right now. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, we got about a minute left. I love Bob's optimism. He's saying Dow 40000 Uh are you with them on that? I am. I think in the next 24 months, just based on earning estimates, because remember, we're going to have double-digit yep. earnings growth next year and yep. possibly the year after. Earnings are going up. Stocks are beholden to what earnings do. So I think it's a really good backdrop to be buying stocks right now. As Bob awesome. said, get your awesome. money out of cash. Cash is trash. Well, I've never heard uh, you uh, so optimistic. So it's fantastic. It's bu- be bullish. That's the theme of uh, of uh, Bob and Ryan Payne, two of the real top investors. And in our last 30 seconds, uh, Ryan, will you remind people how they can get the free consultation? We keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, you can call or text at 844-752-6692. Steve, that's 844-752-6692. All right, gentlemen, thanks for uh, joining. As always, this is the More Money Show on WVC, and we'll be right back. New York's home for entertaining talk. Streaming now on your smart speaker. Just say, Play 77 WABC. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, we get it. The world doesn't end very often. Uh, here's your shot to get that second opinion. Figure out what you're doing for your retirement. We keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We go as far as building you, your own personal financial portal. We give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we just hone in on everything you need to address today for retirement, whether it's an income plan. You need an income plan for retirement. How do you draw Social Security? There's lots of ways to take it. One right way from you for you to take it. How do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money, factoring in inflation? We'll put together a full dynamic income plan, factoring in inflation because your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. And we're going to look at diversification. Markets have been all over the place. A complete yo-yo the last 24 months. Has your portfolio been up and down as well? Or have you been sitting in cash? Paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, and we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost, tax-inefficient products, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you how to reduce the cost, all those hidden costs, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN. 
NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you're not one of our next 10 callers. That's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, we're advising families at our firm, Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. And just helping people with their financial journey, you know, a lot of times it's similar to what I would say like air travel is because knowing the destination is really half the battle. So I thought we could discuss how a flight plan can be very, very similar to the way that we approach financial planning for our clients. You know, Ryan, it's all about the long term, right? And the long term, let's face it, long term, we're all dead. So, you know, let's get that (laughs) off the table. But while you're alive, you really want to enjoy yourself. And yeah, here's an interesting anecdote. This is something that came across my desk the other day. It, it, it just goes to show you how important it is to plan. Now, my generation, we're the baby boomers. We've been around for a while, right? I've been in this business for 50 years, been investing all that time. Well, the baby boomers control half the wealth in this country, right? Not because they're smarter and better looking, as I always like to say, um, it's, and not that they work harder than the last generation or the previous or the next generation. It's because we saved money, money compounded. And the fact that we're living longer, that's why all that wealth was created. So it's not a magic, magical formula. Compounding is the secret. So you have to save, but you got to save based on a plan because all of you are going to be my age or older pretty soon. Yeah, and I think that the key here is we always call it reverse engineering, right? I mean, when you have a flight plan, you know exactly where the destination is. You know, the coordinates get put in. And then along the way, you have a lot of turbulence. Uh, depending on the weather, you may readjust where you're going to get to that actual destination. And I think it's the same thing with your financial plan is you first really have to map out all those really important variables like, okay, what do I need to spend? What's inflation look like? Um, you know, and to your point, Bob, longevity is a big deal. Now, if you're a baby boomer, you have to plan for 20 plus years. So you can't just have all your money sitting, you know, in a bond paying 5%. You need some growth on your portfolio to beat out inflation. But you really have to determine, like, what are you spending on a monthly basis? Um, you know, longevity is a critical part of it. And and most of us don't do that first. And I think that's one of the biggest problems when it comes to financial planning. You know, Ry, you couldn't be more correct. I mean, we're right about that. You know, I don't know what it is, but right now I have I sense more fear on the part of my friends, uh, part of my clients than ever in history. I mean, these are concerns we've dealt with in the past. But there's an enormous amount of fear out there. And I think that's the biggest problem when you don't have a plan. It's, it's kind of like what you said going on a flight. You know, you're going to run into turbulence, right? The markets are going to be volatile. We're going to run into, you know, things geopolitically and economically that we didn't anticipate. But if you're on a flight and you hit turbulence and you jump out of your seat and jump out of the airplane, how fast do you get to your destination, right? I mean, you know, is that a great strategy? Well, the same thing happens with your financial plan. If you don't stay to the plan, when turbulence hits and you jump out of your plan, you know, first of all, you're never going to get back in and you may never reach your goals. So it's, it's, it's really a great, you know, an, uh, analogy, um, to, to put that together. That's, that's the way you got to think about your financial plan is just like you're planning a trip. Yeah, you really do. And I think, you know, right now it's more important too, because you need income in retirement. You know, you're going to need somewhere to draw income from. 
And once you determine, okay, this is the income that I need or is that much I need on a monthly basis, it makes it a lot easier to build that portfolio around that because markets are volatile right now. But if you have the right income plan, regardless if markets are up or down, regardless of the uncertainty, if you know that you have X amount of income coming in every year, whether it's from Social Security, it's your investment portfolio, that builds a lot of certainty into the plan. And that's the whole idea, right? If we're traveling from point A to point B, we want to create as much certainty as possible. And I'd argue most of you don't have that plan. You have what we call that wealth accumulation plan, where it is predicated on is the stock market up this year, is it down this year? And that's a horrible way to structure your retirement portfolio is based on if the market's going to be up or down, because in any given year, you have no idea. So you really got to predicate it on an income plan. And I can tell you, most of you don't have that. And that's really the big problem with our industry, Rye, with these financial news channels. They're always talking about the market, the market. Well, you know what? Cash is a market. Uh, money market funds are the market. Treasury bonds are the market. Municipal bonds, you know, stocks. You don't have to have your money 100% in any one asset class. And, and as you get older, what you'll find, if you're not doing a plan, you know, 90% of you are taking way more risk than you need to, you know, to be set for life. I mean, right now, you can invest in, in municipal bonds. They're going to give you a, a tax equivalent yield of almost 7%, depending on what state you're in. You know, with high quality bonds that have never defaulted. That gives you income for life, you know, income that you can depend on. You don't have to worry about, oh, did the stock market go up or down today, right? A diversified portfolio means being diversified in all markets, not just the markets that they're trying to get you upset about when you turn on, you know, the news channels. Yeah, and that's why it's so critical today. We talked about this before. I mean, it feels so good to sit in cash getting 5%, but if the Fed cuts interest rates next year, that 5% can go away very quickly. So it's a very short-term plan. And long-term planning, financial planning, and you could be retired for 20 years plus, is you've got to take a longer-term approach when it comes to allocating your portfolio. And right now, to your point, you have bond yields at a 17-year high, right? You have dividend yields that are very attractive. So you've got to put together that long-term income plan, not that short-term one. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I need that plan for retirement. I've got to get serious about what my income needs are going to be for the next 20 years, not just the next week. Well, here's your shot to do it. Bob and I still have about four slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, we'll put together our total financial master plan and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal. There's not a firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. And we're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it is that income plan for retirement, the best way for you to take social security. There's a lot of ways to take it. Only one optimal way for your situation, and how do you draw from your portfolio without running out of money? Inflation is going to double over the next 20 years. You need a dynamic income plan. We're going to build up for you a full income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile. The world's been extremely uncertain. And meanwhile, your portfolio has probably been very, very volatile. Or you've been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do. Well, we'll put together a full investment game plan tie it to your goals to make sure that you grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we'll look at fees and taxes. We'll do a full deep dive of every investment in your portfolio for those annuities that you own, insurance products, mutual funds, structured products. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you how to reduce the cost on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We literally have four slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. 
All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. No other firm on the street will do this work for you up front without a, you know, without some kind of a commitment. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you'll learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to bbullish.com. That's bbullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, markets finished mostly positive for the second consecutive week despite the dark news coming out of the Middle East. With the S&P 500 up a half of 1% and the Dow climbing almost three quarters of 1% with only the tech-heavy NASDAQ down slightly on the week. Wall Street banks kicked off third quarter earnings season with upbeat profits and strong shelling from both Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan. Analysts are quite optimistic about not just the current quarter for earnings, but are actually forecasting double-digit earnings increases for next year. The big economic event of the week was the release of the September CPI, the Consumer Price Index, that came in slightly higher than analysts estimated. Fed officials are still concerned about the headline inflation rate at 3.7%. They feel it remains too far above their 2% inflation target for comfort. However, several Fed governors had signaled that the market, that the interest rates are restrictive enough and that the Fed should pause on raising rates for the remainder of the year. That was music to the years of the bond market, closing higher on the week with a 10-year yield falling to 4.6%. From our perch, inflation is starting to appear to be remarkably transitory, as our esteemed Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell once promised us. That's because the underlying cause was temporary and pandemic-related. Of course, only time will tell, and the markets will watch this very closely over the coming months. But meanwhile, many investors are sitting on the sidelines in cash or short-term T-bills, waiting for the bell to ring to tell them it's time to invest. Remember, short-term interest rates are only short-term, and only short-term no matter how high their rate. That is not investing. It's sitting around waiting to invest, better known as market timing. As one famous investor once said, though tempting, trying to time the market is a loser's game. Time in the market beats timing the market. Almost always. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 75 years of combined industry experience in building low-cost, tax-efficient, gold-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist of Payne Capital Management. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. 
That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. And as promised earlier on the show, we now have with us a guy who should be president of the United States if we really want to turn around this American economy and turn around the the direction of our country. I can't think of anybody who could do that better than Steve Forbes. Of course, he's run for president twice. And I've always told my good friend Steve Forbes, who, by the way, is a co-founder with me, of the group, the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. But Steve Forbes really is the one who invented all of these amazing ideas, whether it was uh, the medical savings accounts to reduce uh, our health care costs or whether it was uh, the the movement towards term limits or whether it was the idea of uh, of a flat tax. Remember the Steve Forbes flat tax? All of these ideas would be uh, so, so energized in the American economy that is kind of morbid right now. So, Steve Forbes, thanks so much for joining this afternoon. Good to be with you. Thank you. A lot to cover today, Steve. So I want to start with the condition of the economy. Uh, I, I say we can do a lot better. You know, it seems like we're sputtering. It seems like we're spending a lot of money in Washington that we don't have. And it seems to me we still have prices out of control, as the latest uh, inflation report uh, told us. So what do we do, Steve? I mean, what if you were president, what are the two or three things that you think are most important to get this economy growing as it did under Presidents Reagan and under Trump? Well, I think uh, putting aside for the moment foreign policy, uh, the first thing you do is tell the Federal Reserve to uh, take a vacation, take a hike. <laughs> a permanent? Could that be a permanent set. vacation? <laughs> let, 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 uh, let, let, it, let the market set interest rates instead of a right. handful of people who never know where the economy is going, right. trying to guide it and ending up uh, mucking things up. The other thing so, would so, be... Steve, let me, hold on. Let me just interrupt you for one second. So this is really important, the point you're making right now. Now, there's a lot of talk that in the, in the next couple of weeks, the Fed will raise interest rates again. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I hope they don't. Uh, I do, the, too. The I'm with you. Already, no, no rate increase. The, 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 the economy already has enough headwinds. Uh, right. The American people are ready and raring to go if uh, these uh, artificial obstacles were uh, put out of the way. Interest right. rates are already very high. Uh, yes. The 10-year yield is uh, back to where it was a generation ago. Short-term yep. rates are extremely high. So yep. uh, the, one of the reasons is, is that the government is floating a lot of debt, and so yep. uh, the government's going to have to pay more to uh, uh, finance that debt. So, uh, so, the sec- so in addition to telling the Federal Reserve to get out of the way, the other yep. thing would be to uh, immediately rescind every single proposed regulation and enacted regulation that this administration's put in in the last uh, two and a half, three years. <laughs> I and, love that. Uh, By the way, Steve, do you know who uh, who was a big advocate of what you just said? Donald Donald Trump. <laughs> 
Trump told me the same thing when I had dinner with him a couple of weeks ago that we've got to just roll back these regulations. We're putting, you know, it's like putting an anchor on the back of our American economy. Well, well, imagine uh, being able to buy a dishwasher that washes dishes or a uh, washing <laughs> what a concept. machine that actually cleans clothes in less than a week. I mean, you know, and uh, being able not to worry about whether your uh, uh, ceiling fan is going to be taken away, your air condition is going to be taken away, your heat is going to be yeah. taken away, your car is going to be taken away. Yeah. Stop all that stuff. And uh, But the other thing I'd be pushing is uh, uh, is a massive tax cut. Uh, they say, oh, that's inflationary. No, it isn't. It's a reducing the price of uh, people doing productive things. Yep. Allowing uh, people to focus yep. their energies on productive things. You know, we're we're old enough, at least I am, to have seen a movie called The 1980s. We did exactly <laughs> right. the same thing. Stabilize the value of the dollar, go for deregulation, reduce the tax burden, and amazing, good things happen. And as you pointed out in the, in the great uh, newsletter you put out each day, the committee puts out each day the hotline, mm-hmm is that if you grow 3.5% instead of the projected yep. 1.5%, 1.7%, all of this angst about Social Security going bust, Medicare going bust, yep. the world going bust, goes out the window. Uh, the, pred- yep. the bad predictions go over the cliff, not the productive economy. Well, so, that's uh, so important. Very basic yeah. what we do, should do. So uh, uh, just a- 2024, we'll get around to it. <laughs> okay, so a couple. Qu- I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great agenda. Uh, so let's talk about cut- cutting taxes. Some people might be who are listening to this show. We have a very intelligent audience, but some people may not get it. Steve, they would say, "Well, wait a minute. We've got all this debt out there now. Steve Forbes wants a tax cut. That's going to make the debt worse." No, the way you deal with liabilities is you grow the assets assets faster <laughs> right. than the liabilities. Right. And when you have an unleashed economy. And three and a half percent we've done over yeah. the two centuries, yeah. two and a half centuries of this country's yeah. existence. So this isn't something pie in the sky. We've been below trend, as they like to say, for the last 20 years. There's no reason why we can't remove those obstacles. And then when we get that growth, you create more resources and suddenly uh, that debt becomes less fearsome. If you have a, if you're making $50,000 a year and you have a million dollars of debt, you've got a problem. If you're if you're Elon Musk and you have a million dollars of debt, you don't have a problem. What's the difference? One has more resources than the other. And so the key is to create resources. And uh, we, yeah. as we've seen, when you have a growing economy, incomes go rise on all levels. We saw yeah. that with the tax cuts that you and uh, Larry and others devised for uh, Donald yeah. Trump. Voila, they work. So uh, what we're facing now are are uh, self-inflicted wounds that not just affect the economy, but also our security. A vibrant America is not truffled with by the bad guys in the world. Uh, When the bad guys think that we're a declining economy, as the mullahs think we are, as North Korea, China, Russia thinks we are, and bad actors think we are like Hamas, really ugly things happen. That's that's so true. Uh, a couple of things on this one is on that your oh, incidentally, what would you do in terms of taxes? Like what would you if you were uh, advising, uh, let's say, President Trump, who may be back in the White House in a year and a half or uh, some other candidate? What kind of uh, what what would you cut? You know, Joe Biden wants to tax unrealized capital gains. I don't know if you're aware of that, uh, Steve, yes. which is a terrible idea. He There's wants no to raise the capital gains tax not in favor of. 
There's no bad What's that? idea that Joe Biden. There's no oh, bad idea that Joe Biden doesn't favor. So what should we cut? <laughs> what taxes? Well, all of the above. Uh, we yeah. should be cutting income. We should put in a flat tax so yes. people can focus <laughs> their brain power and productive things instead of these idiot things. And uh, but if uh, they're not ready for that, then just go uh, for a huge cuts across the board. Yep. And uh, yep. including capital gains, including yep. corporate taxes, you yep. reduce those good things happen. You know, uh, we're we're looking at, uh, as we know, uh, looking at Ireland and yeah. uh, the, the big the big tax rate that they have that is low there that is so powerful is their twelve and a half percent corporate tax yep. rate. And uh, their other taxes aren't so great. But they got the business one, the lowest in the just about in this in the civilized world, uh, the yep. developing developed world. And uh, boom, uh, they have a benign regulatory environment. They encourage businesses to come and to grow. Uh, they're the gateway to Europe tar- to, without tariffs. And so uh, hundreds of companies go there. So yep. reduce those rates and by golly, good things happen. Well, you know, on that Ireland story, I just love this story. You and I have a piece that we've written together on this, and it's basically an astonishing story, folks. And it basically what we show in our article is that uh, the the, uh, country in Europe, do you know what country in Europe has the fastest growth rate right now, Steve? Little old Ireland. (laughs) <laughs> a little, a little country of five million people, and they're they're here's an amazing thing uh, that the tax revenues, the corporate tax revenues, have tripled in the last seven years, even though they have the lowest tax rate in the world. Maybe Steve yeah, Forbes, and, there and, is and something the, to the Laffer curve, and the, and then the skeptics will say, oh, that's because people move intellectual property there, yada yada yada. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is. Ireland uh, has been doing this low-tax gig for a number yeah. of years, and uh, they got caught up when the dollar was weakened in the early part of the century, which distorted everything. We had an inflation. We all know what that led to in 2008, 2009. So they got slammed then. But you look at the trend line of Ireland over the last 35 years as they've been opening up to the rest of the world. They went from the uh, poorest economy in Western yeah. Europe to the most vibrant economy in Western Europe. Amazing. They survived that terrible downturn after the 2008-2009 financial crisis, came out of it faster than anyone thought. So if you have the right environment, you can take these occasional hits and do extremely well. And that's what we should keep in mind. Life doesn't go in a straight line, but by golly, if you have the good stuff there, it goes in an upward line despite the jagged yeah. edges. If we had the job creation from a low flat rate tax like Ireland has that they've had, then we'd have, uh, cause they've created something like, uh, several hundred thousand new jobs. That, that's a small country. That would be the equivalent of the United States, Steve, creating 10 million <laughs> new jobs. So we ought to do exactly what works and stop doing what doesn't work. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, a regulation that is, uh, you know, cause you talked about deregulating the economy. The Biden administration right what right now wants to impose new capital requirements on banks that would force them to hold more capital in reserve rather than lending out this money. Now, to me, that seems like a really dumb idea 
because if the if the you have more capital requirements, and by the way, shouldn't the banks decide for themselves? You know what? You know above a minimal level what their bank uh, reserve should be, but this is going to lead to less lending, Steve. And it of seems to me that we've got a tightness in the lending markets right now. Uh, of course it is. You're exactly right. And uh, it was true before 2008. A lot of banks uh, did not have sufficient capital. They were over leveraged. That's another word of saying they were over indebted, too much debt. And uh, but that's been corrected big time. So they have, and and uh, so uh, what the regulators are proposing now is when they get a failure, like what happened with the uh, uh, the SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, when you get it, when you get a, a few disasters like that, their their reaction is not, gee. What happened and why didn't we uh, see it coming? Exactly. You can't see these things coming. But while they, they propose uh, even more rules and regulations. Yeah. And, Which, uh, by the way, the you know, all that does, Steve, is terrible. <laughs> all that does is punish the good, the healthy banks, you know, that are actually doing it right. So it's a kind of a, a dumb and, and, and uh, the policy. The bottom line is, the bottom line is, as we all know, it's not the uh, level of reserves that determine whether a bank does well or poorly over time. It's management, i.e. people. Yes. People yep. run banks. And a badly yep. managed bank, you can have the strongest balance sheet in the world and you can go bust. If a good team takes over a troubled bank, they can turn it around. Uh, so yep. uh, it's about management, not capital yep. ratios, which are already more than adequate. Yeah. And by system, the way, I would add, add to I would add to that, Steve, that, um, you know, there's an old saying that Milton Friedman used to use all the time that, you know, government steps in and screws up a market and then they, then they, you know, they create the problem in the first place and then they need new regulations to solve the problems that they themselves created. The real story, in my opinion, of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature was inadequate that the supervisors, because there's no, there's no industry in America that's more regulated than banks. The supervisor was just asleep at the switch. Well, that's right. And uh, the other thing is uh, you're going to get uh, banks in trouble, and we'll have some more when you artificially lower the cost yes. of money, which is yes. a, a financial form of rent control. What the Federal Reserve is doing is a form of rent control. Instead of renting an apartment or a house, in this case it's renting money, when you uh, manipulate the renting rates, you get a distorted market. And so you had a lot of decisions made, both in the banking sector, among countries, uh, hugely yep. in debt, on the assumption that you didn't have to pay to borrow money anymore, you know, zero interest rates. Yep. And now that rates are going up, oopsie-daisy, yep. <laughs> uh, we get a more normal yep. world, and you get uh, we're going to have uh, some cleanup to do. I'm talking to Steve Forbes, who's one of the, the great business and economic minds in our country. Steve, I promised I'd only hold you uh, for about 10 minutes, but this is a great cut. Could I hold you for a few more minutes? Sure. Uh, do you have time? Yep. Yes. Okay. We'll take a quick break. This is WEC Talk Radio. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Steve Forbes. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. 
Welcome back, folks. This is the, uh, Steve Moore, and this is the More Money Show. And uh, my great, great friend Steve Forbes has agreed just for our final minutes to continue our conversation. Thanks so much, Steve, for your time. Uh, we've got about three minutes left. I just, I just needed to get your take on what's happened in the Middle East. I'm angry because I think from an economic perspective that a lot of our anti-energy policies here in America has put money into the hands of our enemies and terrorist groups. But I'd love to hear your take about why this happened and what do you think needs to be done? Well, uh, two quick things. One is we have to realize, as our founders knew uh, over two and a half centuries ago, there's evil in the world. Human yes. nature has its good side, and human nature also has a very ugly uh, terrorist barbaric side. And there are forces out there that aren't good. They're evil, just as we yep. saw with communists, Nazis, fascists, yep. and the like, and terrorists. Yep. Uh, yep. Number two is uh, in terms of uh, what we do is now coming to light in a way it never did before, this administration, without uh, uh, making a hoo-ha about it, relaxed sanctions against Iran. Yep. Look at yep. the numbers. When Joe Biden took office, Iran was exporting about 200,000 barrels of oil a day. Now suddenly they're uh, exporting one and a half million barrels yep. a day. Yep. That's tens yep. of millions of dollars, billions of dollars a year. Yep. Where did that yep. money go? certainly didn't go to improving the lives of the people of, uh, of Iran. It went for terror and war. Yep. So, yes, uh, that uh, helped finance uh, the horrors we're seeing now. And so, sadly, there's no inescapable. Uh, Hamas has to be destroyed. And one of the things we should be doing now is pressuring Egypt and giving aid to Egypt to allow the people from Gaza, the civilians from Gaza, to go to special camps across the border in Egypt uh, mm-hmm. So uh, they don't get the brunt of what the Israelis are going to have to unleash. And the other thing is, and this is something yep. we can't discuss now, is Israel's going to have to make a decision, and we're going to have to make a decision. We want to let Iran become a nuclear power because they're on the verge of doing it. Oh, well, I couldn't agree more. And and I, I'm so upset about, from the economic angle, that why why doesn't Joe Biden make a declaration that we're going to put up some of this climate change stuff off to the side for the moment of this crisis and increase American production of oil? Because the price of oil is going to go up and this is going to hurt the American economy. I don't understand the logic of decapitating our own energy industry. Well, it's all based on a fantasy, this cult thing, that uh, if we destroy oil and gas and coal, the world's going to be a better place. No, it's going to be an infinitely worse place because we need more <laughs> right. energy. One, one quick, yeah. one quick factoid. Yeah. The, the cloud today, the cloud today absorbs more energy, more electricity, twice as much, three times as much electricity as the entire Japanese economy. So high tech is a voracious yeah. appetite for energy. That's so right. We need all of these resources, and we should liberate it uh, from day one when the new president takes office. In January 20th, That is so true. By the way, Steve, just wait till these young people realize that they're not going to have access to the Internet <laughs> if, if, we de- <laughs> if we continue to destroy our energy industry. Uh, I don't think they're going to like that too much. Uh, folks, that is Steve Forbes, the brilliant economic and business mind in America. It's been a, a real treasure to have you on, Steve. Thanks so much, folks. Uh, Thank you, I hope Steve. you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Uh, I know the weather on the East Coast is not too good today. I think it's supposed to be a lot nicer tomorrow, and I hope people get out. And I want to make one other quick point, if I may, that this great country of ours, we need to come to the aid of our allies. And I think everyone knows that. 
And I think everyone knows that when you're seeing Americans protesting against the victims of terrorism, that's that's a disgusting thing and it has to stop. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show, and I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful weekend.